what I love is that while we're being creative, we're also we're trying to start fires, right? We're trying to go around and spark little bits of creativity and encourage people to do to be creative themselves. But also that's that's our role, isn't it? Our role is to facilitate the thing, to, to free up the maximum creative time and space for the young people. If you say the real life ends up your day Hello Rescuers, my name's Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost roleplaying hobby. Today is the second of my summer holiday conversation episodes and so I'm just going to dive in. This is Season 9, Episode 15, Trickster's Net with Barney and Tom. Today I'm joined by Barney Dicker and Tom Burmeister, who are here to talk about Trickster's Net, an internationally funded role-playing game design project they've created for young people in Wales and Germany. Barney is a game facilitator and designer and host of the Loco Ludus podcast. He's also a teacher, lecturer and arts researcher. Born in the UK, he has lived in Germany since 2016. Tom is a gaming and educational technology specialist based in South Wales. At Playframe, he uses cardboard, plastic and virtual reality game technology for outreach, education and more. To do this, Tom draws on his experience in 360 videography, photogrammetry, 3D modelling, VR development, educational support, student politics, youth port workshops and tabletop gaming. Crikey. Welcome to Roleplay Rescue, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, cheers for having us. So, what's Trickster's Net, and why have you created this project? Okay, probably the best way to start, although there would be many, is that this year is Wales and Germany year, whatever that is. And that's that comes through the Arts Council, the Welsh Arts Council, Arts Council Wales. And a mutual friend of Tom and mine... Um, got in touch with me about this and the deadline was really near. So Tom and I were put in touch and we swiftly put an application together and I started looking at funding in Germany, which had a comparably rapidly approaching uh, deadline. And so out of kind of nowhere in a few days, we we put an application together for this uh collaborative exchange project between germany and wales and that all worked out both funders the uh, arts council wales and kempton city both went for it we both got support from youth organizations in our areas and we were off so what is what is this project we decided i guess as a response to the pandemic and both being involved in gaming with young people that we wanted to create some project that had a real purpose. So it wasn't just a gaming group that would meet every so often. We wanted to have a, have a direction and that's where we came up with the idea for Trickster's Net. So over a series of, we've got multiple groups. So over a series of, mini campaigns if you like and regular world building sessions we're developing the concept and at the end of it we're going to publish it online so tom what's the concept and stuff behind this then it it's it's broadly based on a system that um barney came up with from uh his other system uh which i think is a He's publishing under League of Eternal Guardians. So there was already this game system that existed. Mm. And it was about trying to find a simple, approachable game system that we could hope that younger players, 
because um, we went for the age 16 to 21 in Germany, but 18 in, in Wales. We wanted to make it simple enough so that they could uh, pick it up and learn to play very quickly, but also then take the reins as GMs very quickly. Because mm. one of the one things that this comes off the back of is that mutual contact, Tom Goddard, who works for Crew Kelv, which is also an Arts Council funded project, uh, which is all about after school art clubs. So that uh, I had done several workshops for recently doing basically GMing workshops, trying to get teenagers doing their first, like what is role play, how to GM, how to do your first session, online tools, various, fr- you know, ways that you can do it for free without spending any money, all the, mm-hmm. all the good stuff that um, I'm sure that you've covered in your podcast uh, over the years and, 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 and as everywhere. And so Tom's knew that I was in this kind of space. And then this idea he's been talking to Barney about for a long time. And then this, this, this funding came up to look for, uh, it was actually Wales Arts International, which is an arts council funded thing. (laughs) And it's a part of the international Wales international fund. So many, so they many. Don't make it, they don't make it easy. It's they so complicated. It. <laughs> it's, it's not complicated, but it's just there's a lot of stakeholders. It's like recently I wrote a blog and I had to like edit in like four extra brands at the end of the blog because I suddenly realized <laughs> I hadn't mentioned all of the people who, who I really do need to thank for making the project the success that it has and enabling it to happen, right? And I suppose, I mean, just to flip it over to snatch, well, to snatch it over from Tom for a moment. I mean, from my side, I've been working on my own systems and uh, having a school group, uh, a school gaming group. And when the pandemic and the lockdowns really started hitting, obviously it impacted that. Mm. And so I started thinking, hmm, all right, okay, what what could I do with all of this? And so really all of these elements came together really, really neatly. And the, the package that we put together pays for Tom and I to facilitate sessions it pays for us to have uh, a couple of pro panels with advice on world building for the young people it pays for an illustrator max hartley whose work is fantastic and it's been really really beneficial and, and wonderful to work with him but also crucially it includes a little bit of money that we can pay all of the young people something so at the end when we publish it we've produced a professional publication if you like for the young people so we wanted that was the offer that we really wanted to to create for the young people and what is it we this this trickster's net was an idea that just kind of popped into my head really and i was trying to i thought how could how could we run it so that there's enough flexibility for all the different types of players and ideas and settings that that the young people might have and so it's this kind of mishmash world which has kind of been spliced together yeah it enables there to be a lot of jumping from completely random settings and allows each player to bring in whatever ideas they might have what's wonderful is that fortuitously it just felt like it was suddenly on everyone the multiverse stuff partly because i think what marvel's doing at the moment was suddenly quite in a lot of young people's minds because they were all following what was happening with things like Loki and stuff. So it's hilarious that we just kind of rid rid that wave, really. There was a lot of excitement with our young people about the idea of like jumping from completely different environments to other places. But it gave them the flexibility to really take the reins and become uh, the GM, GM whatever they wanted to do. And also gave us that through line of cultural connection between the myths and legends that maybe you, they might have uh, from the local locations that they come from, which, you know, we're talking in two different countries here uh, and two different cultures, but also maybe bring in their myths and legends, like from their own personal experiences from their childhoods. Uh, that's something that I was always interested in, like mm. about uh, the way that as kids, we create these mythologies about our local hyper local areas, you know, the, the woods mm. at the edge of the town will become the edge of civilization. And what goes on in those woods is, uh is that realm of imagination um and i think trying to encourage them to bring in stuff like that but also bringing in uh more traditional mythology tropes or adventure tropes or 
you know, straight up just putting Loki in if you want, but we've had that. <laughs> and it's, it, it, it's been great to kind of foster that creativity and allow the system to do it. Because I think otherwise, when you're looking at something maybe, I mean, I love these games, but like when you come into something like Star Wars or D&D, there's a whole load of history to those worlds of feeling like, well, do you have the right to do what you like? We know, because we're adults and we've been playing for a long time, that of course you have the right to do whatever you like. If you want to do, um, I don't know, um, uh, Benny Hill style Star Wars adventure. I mean, that's probably within just of, just off the top of your <laughs> head. Um, <laughs> then you can, but 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 teenagers often have this weight of like, well, what you know? Oh, I've got to do it. What's the law? You know, what I've got to make it fit into the the canon of the universe. And so, if we but deliberately saying there is no canon, it's the mm-hmm. multiverse. Do what you like and teleport your players from one place to another between sessions or within a session. It gives them the 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 freedom to to really make GMing not the terrifying task I think it is for a lot of first GMs when they um, start as uh, teenagers. Sounds good. Now let me see if I got my head around this. Okay, so you've got a bunch of kids, sixteen to eighteen or twenty-ish, something like that, and they're going to learn to GM, presumably for the first time. Some for the first time, yeah. Yeah, and and they are invited to essentially write um, using the game system that Barney's put together there uh, as a sort of basis to then put together some, uh, what we're talking about, right, adventures? The form that we came up with was that it was a seven-adventure experience. So mm-hmm. um, the idea is that the group would go, uh, We, me and Barney would GM the first two sessions, and mm-hmm. then with a group of four we would then get the each member of the group to be the GM for a session. So right. that then, and then we can do a session at the end to try and wrap it up. And ideally mm. this becomes a single seven session campaign that they've yeah. done within this thing. Um, and yeah, that that's the form. And we've tried to, we've managed to get about five groups together. We had funding for about eight, but uh, we're pretty happy with the five that we've managed mm-hmm. to get. Um, it's kind of because of the complexity, it has been a little bit hard to explain sometimes uh, to get people on board. And also it's a little bit intimidating again for uh, young people sometimes to to come into this hobby completely fresh or to come from, oh, I've watched lots of D&D online. I've watched mm-hmm. loads and loads mm-hmm. of these of Critical Role and um, I've been maybe following uh, the, the broader hobby, but then you're going right into the weeds of, what mm. is a very rules light indie system that is heavy on improvisation and heavy on, um, hey, you don't really need to prep as a GM, mm. just have an idea, write, roll a few tables and kind of improvise on it, mm. um, which is, uh, I think, maybe not what they thought necessarily role-playing would be. Would be in, but but it can be many things, right? I mean, just, just to, to throw something else in, the Germans, of course, are practising their English. So they get to speak English and they're doing a fabulous job with that. Mm. But like Tom was saying, the, the core of it are kind of random tables or adventure mm. speeds. Uh, we are planning to to include some adventures but we're, we're i suppose we're drawing on what gets thrown up in the sessions the types of mm. creatures the types of locations and those could be possible elements in in this world and again i suppose we would want players who take it on to to also follow this kind of patchwork torn up collaged world of the of the trickster mm. So it sounds like a big feature of this is going to be the young people themselves that are taking turns. You've got a rotating GM thing going on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how's that panning out? How's that looking? <laughs> uh, I would say that so far, like each group, quite predictively, I think we in each group we had one person who was chomping at the bit and raring mm. to go, and like that's great. Like we've got those, f- and and then when they do it, and they do it either super successfully or they do it and they make a few mistakes, but it's okay in the end. Mm. That gives other people confidence within the group, yeah. and so then you would we've done quite well with i think second gms you know the next person in the group who stepped up mm-hmm. we are currently on our summer break and we're about to get our third and fourth gms we are at that crunch point where it's like these are the ones who are going to be most most nervous about taking on the role but hopefully we've got we've built up their confidence over the time mm-hmm. uh they've kind of realized that it's not 
the end of the world it's somewhat just like keeping the keeping the game going really is the main mm. thing you've got to do we're not asking them to do long sessions it's only two hours and so we really like two encounters at most like have a, a setup and a bit in the middle and then a and a, and a, and a some kind of climax if you can um we given them almost the structure as well or that's kind of built into the structure of the project is that each um each session should end with basically the players trying to getting or, or failing to get a MacGuffin of some kind, like one mm -hmm. of these tricksters items. And so that becomes the meta structure for the whole thing. It's like, I just need to get my players somewhere and then they get a thing at the end. And that just needs to happen in two, two encounters under two mm -hmm. hours. Mm -hmm. And as long as you kind of keep it going, they seem to be doing quite well with it. But it is that it's it, it's interesting. Like we're at that midpoint in the project now, so it's be interesting to almost to talk about this in a few months' time, just to see mm. how did it go at the by the end of it with full reflection. We've yeah. we've also offered for perhaps some of the 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 less confident ones that that we could run them using their ideas. Yeah, and they're, ha and they're happy to chime in and say no, 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 not like that. Um, <laughs> so so it's you know I hopefully hope we haven't had to do that yet but but that's it's all it's all there for them and another thing to say is that to just before the the, the holiday break we actually had the chance to run a couple of kind of open table sessions so actually over over the couple of months that we've been doing it, it the whole group has developed a much more i think a kind of more relaxed interaction that makes just saying that oh, there's going to be a game on Thursday uh, much more possible and and naturally you end up with with a group yeah it is it is becoming more of a cohort it feels like a, a class mm. almost in a way which is which is mm. really really nice I think um you worry that you were going to get a lot of silent zoom faces uh, or not even faces, you know, just like someone's name or logo on, on mm -hmm. discord and no one talking in these kind of big discussion groups, but it's not happened at all. We've had been able to get like really uh, fruitful discussion, mm. really interesting ideas and the actual game itself. The thing that I really, we, we both really wanted to happen was that the discussion actually doesn't just result in, world building not to not to not to to put that down or anything like that but um it, there's actual mechanics that have come out of these discussions actual decisions about the way the game can be played you know feedback on on discussions oh initiative i don't think initiative's working gosh that was mm -hmm. a long conversation and it was good that we came up with like loads of different ideas about how initiative mm -hmm. could be run and getting the players excited getting the what we call our junior creatives involved in the actual design of the game i think mm. has been really rewarding and i think it will be super rewarding when they see it up there as a pdf that anyone can download on itch.io in three languages you forgot to mention that bench oh. there barney we're going to translate it to german and we'll translate it into welsh yeah um, i don't know how many examples there are of welsh rpgs but probably not many so um that'd be quite a quite a coup yeah. quite a win yeah. if we get if, yeah. if if we're that early on the store <laughs> so the product at the end um i'm just trying to picture that a bit as well so um the clues i've got so far is we're going to have um a sort of a, there's a game system there that's kind of uh, based around what barney's done mm -hmm. and the guys have uh, you know they've been getting in the gaming and they perhaps tweaked things change things made mm -hmm. suggestions uh, so there are some mechanical things that you know may well be involved there mm -hmm. then you've got the actual um the games that they've played have generated various stuff you know that i imagine there'll be you know, creatures and things and places and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and and you said earlier barney that there was sort of random tables and all that sort of stuff that's yeah. been generated um so essentially is this going to be like a toolkit kind of product where you know someone could grab that and then go and run with it and do their own thing yeah i you know? yeah, i guess that's i i like the word toolkit very mm -hmm. much um, although I suppose we would want to say that if you pick it up, you you would also feel that that there's enough guidelines there to to actually use it. Mm. You know, it's not here's here's just random tables. Um, go and go and get on with it. Mm. So, but 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 it's deliberately designed not to be a big read. Um, not to be the, the you know set in stone what the world is like precisely because this world is always 
um like almost like a rubik's cube mm. almost it's always moving around and that's the action of the trickster's net which is being dragged through the the multiverse if you like i think the idea is also that we'll have two documents really one that's a core kind of rules light this is um what you need to play the game in the style of many like one or two page RPGs. I think um, Lasers and Feelings was one of your inspirations, wasn't it, mm -hmm. uh, Barney? But I was particularly taken by some of the more recent Blades hacks. So the mm -hmm. Cyberpunk uh, Blades hack, for example, is a wonderful like two page um, RPG with everything you need there to run it if you're familiar with what the genre is, I suppose. Uh, but we're, So we're going to provide, you know, ideally something like that that's very simple that you can just play from that but then there will be a lot of appendix like appended extra information that will be examples of play and things that have happened in our other games um the reason why we're dividing up is probably more than anything translation costs so you mean like the the core documents yeah they're released in all three languages but to be fair all the appendices is likely to be produced in in, in english that's kind of where we're at i think with the with the final product and we also we also spoke with the junior creatives before the break about including some scenario ideas if they want mm. if they have some and for example we've got a games convention that happens here in germany where i am that's going to be face to face uh and on the on the 18th of september and we we're taking over a room and we'll run three tricksters net sessions uh, so so hopefully getting three of the the german contributors to gm those mm. and the ideas that they bring to those games they will have developed and discussed with the group as a whole in some some way when when we're back so it sounds like you've got about what 20 junior published about to be published game designers yep <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> that sounds fun Make you make it sound like that. It sounds absolutely intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, how have we done that? Have we done that? <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, it should really. Uh, it, it could be the beginnings of some really bright careers. Some of the people are incredibly uh, creative, interesting. Uh, well, they're all wonderful, actually. But um, yeah, I've been really, I've been really impressed by the quality of uh, people that we've got. Um, obviously, because we're dealing with. Uh, no, well, actually, I don't think we've maybe got like one or two 15 year olds. But the point is, we're being quite hot with like protection, you know, child protection and stuff and making sure that we're not uh, exploiting them or exposing them more than they should be. Um, it's kind of hard to share about how wonderful these people are, <laughs> but they are. It's, I mean, I'm sure you know, like working education, it's kind of. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, running a school game club myself, it's the one thing I can't do is talk about anybody or show any pictures of it um know, it's kind yeah. of so you know a lot of, i think a lot of listeners are like does he really have a school game club because you know yeah, <laughs> yeah i run a i run a weekly tabletop club in cardiff every every week uh at a local games kind of store uh firestorm games and we um we play warhammer and role-playing games and on all kinds of stuff and we have fantastic sessions there with loads of people playing and i'm just like i want to put this on twitter but i can't mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like yeah so Barney's notes, uh, which he emailed over to me beforehand, um, they include the word portals, which is a, a, a word that's close to my heart, it has to be said. If you listen, listen to recent episodes, you'll know this. So mm. come on, Barney, portals. What's that got to do with anything? Okay, portals. Well, one thing is uh, we, we created a short application for the young people to, to take part mainly just to to really get a sense of their their engagement or their commitment for the project and uh, tom actually came up with this we asked them to describe a doorway which of course chimes with what you were saying about portals in in your episode the other day and the the whole the whole premise of the game is that these seekers which the 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 players are have been thrown through some kind of portal they've been plucked from somewhere and thrown into this uh into this tricksters universe and a way of managing the transition from gm to gm hmm. has been to use a portal to kind of leap leap onto a new location so that nobody overly feels that they're inheriting what what the previous gm has done yeah so 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 that has a mechanical face 
but it also has a, a, a setting face. It's also an, something in the world that we have. Mm. And so that's the portals have really been something that we've been encouraging them to as an opportunity to completely turn things upside down. Yeah. And also have it as a space for improvisation, like kind of have mm. it in the back of their mind that the universe that they're with is close you know, through the veils of reality to another one and to have an idea in their head of what that other one might be only because we have a system, not only because, but well, one of the reasons could be because um, using uh, when, when they run out of balance points, the characters have to roll on. And one of those, um, one of those results is, is that the rift widens or something. And so the idea that suddenly the portal that, might be off in a room somewhere becomes big enough that it completely swallows uh, swallows a house and then that house is in a different type of dimension than the one than the players might be in um yeah i think i think there's so many different ways that we've tried to i think it's interesting using the word portal because i because when when we think of portal we often always think of the edges of it it like a doorway is mm -hmm. an obvious one with 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 wooden doorways but then you could have like a kind of a magical hole um I've always liked this idea and I don't know. And it's something that I keep doing in my games when I talk about when they, um, when they move from one reality to another, that it's almost like um, it's actually the type of portal from now thinking about it. There is an example in, in, uh, in, in Harry Potter with the wall in the train station mm -hmm. that you just go through. But I also think of it like when a character bugs out in a video game and just drops through the level. Mm -hmm. And then like, I always imagine, what if you ended up somewhere else? Like, what if you ended up in a different world from the one that you were just in? I also think of the kind of portal uh, or the way of transportating where you move out of reality. Mm. Um, there's a term that was in uh, Ian M. Banks books, um, rest in peace, Ian M. Banks. But uh, when the peoples of, a, of the galaxy sublimed where they became effectively gods and they kind of, and the term he used was sidestepping out of reality. And I always just love that. It's like you turn an extra corner that's not there. And then suddenly you're not in the same reality you were before. Um, and it, you know, it, it's that port portals without edges, if you know mm. what I mean. So, and that, that makes me think that portals give you a, almost like an edit or a cut, mm. um, which allows you to disrupt the setting so everything or everything that's been established that thus far can now be radically changed or not or undermined or flipped or whatever but still the portal itself provides a, a continuity hmm. and that you know i tom and i i think both both really respond to that yeah call, call to creativity yeah using being able to use like editing techniques like that to push your story forward is definitely something i'm i've almost i have never done it because i do a lot of star wars role play or i did used to i haven't done so much recently but uh i always wanted to do the cutaway to the bad guys you know the camera like uh side swipes or or, mm -hmm. or iris um iris closes and then you come back somewhere else but it's a just a, a kind of a scene with the bad guys talking about what's going on. <laughs> but that would that would be just you talking to yourself, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah, 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 which I'm fine I with. But I don't know where my players would enjoy it. <laughs> oh, no, I, I want to sat in a game. I went to a, a con game in the United States of America about, uh, we got this 15 years or more ago. And a guy did this thing. He said, like, are you going to play his characters? And then there was a scene where he did a cut scene and he gave us all these sheets. Oh. And, and there were just some notes, you know, like who you were. And it was the bad guys. And we were, and the, the brief was, you know, we were reporting back to the big boss about what had been going on. Mm. And so we, those characters had interactions with our player characters. Um, you know, some of them uh, had come off badly and they were reporting back. And we had to do that in character. And it was, mm. that was hilarious. Actually. That's a brilliant idea. I'm stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it just, it worked because it was brief. You had, a, yeah. I think what the guy did is he had an image and, mm. and then some brief notes. And then he just said, okay. Okay, tell us what what happened, you know, um, and it was it was great. So yeah, that can work. Okay, um, all good fun, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it sounds like you two have just become professional GMs, huh. <laughs> or is that well, not adjust? Uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, I would say not adjust only because I suppose I've been like. I've been charging for GM sessions with kids, uh, you know, because it's part of the kids club kind mm. of 
situation for 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 a long time now mm. um but it it's always been like adjacent to the broader thing of providing a activity group um after school yeah. in, in a location um but yeah uh it is it is it is that um i think it makes a big difference when it's your own system where or we're actually you know it's part mm. of a broader project mm. and it's wonderful to get funding and what i will say is that off the back of a little bit of um shouting about this with some blogs and twitter posts uh you know i've already got um, both me and barney have had other arts kind of groups sniffing around us going oh you're doing stuff with this we heard about this this is great um so i think there's a lot of scope there to get funding i think it's a different model than the mm. kids club thing which is mm-hmm. what paying you know five, or, or not i mean that's the kids obviously professional gms uh, which i haven't done which is the adult professional gming which i know a lot of people do um they charge per session with their members and they get, mm. you know, cause it's, cause it's a sticky topic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in the community, professional GMing and, and I, and there are these two aspects, aren't there? Where we all, we all want to have more of our lifetime and energy invested meaningfully in gaming. Right. But there's, but it's, there seems to be this kind of holy idea that your game group is, is, totally voluntary and everyone's just there you know as a free time activity so i think i think with tricksters net like tom said by getting the funding for it as an arts project um, and working on it as an arts project we're not we're not directly asking anybody you know the young people Mm. for money and we're not we're not you know it's we're not doing stag or anything <laughs> not not that i'm against doing that i'm actually no, no I'm of actually course building, right. no, i'm that's actually right. trying to i'm trying to come up with like a bridgerton themed rpg to do uh <laughs> hen nights because i think there's a market there and i think that would be great fun um i think the other thing i wanted to chip in on here is that the young people themselves are getting paid a small fee to come mm. and get involved in this project which is kind of intriguing how, how did that idea kind of work up well, I, I would credit that to, to Tom Goddard, again, our mutual friend. Mm. Um, he he said, pay the young people. I always want them to get paid. I yeah. always want them to get paid. Um, I think and- in the current atmosphere, sorry, there's so much discussion online, isn't there, about you know dying by exposure or uh, people working for free and, and young people being exploited and their creativity mm. being exploited. I think it's so key to feeling like you're in the right place. Yeah, on the right right. side of history with those kind of discussions that we're not a we're not charging we're not making money from it in terms Mm -hmm. of like we're not putting a product out there with their creativity and charging for it uh but also we're giving them something for it as well we're giving them a credit and they're getting you know a small a small financial reward which Mm. um i think it's i think it wouldn't feel moral otherwise uh, because you know let's be frank me and barney are, ba- are gaining from this as well we're gaining you know notoriety we've been invited onto your podcasts we've uh you know we've got uh we've got people who are talking to us about this project because we've gone and done it so we're getting benefits outside of mm-hmm. you know that inevitably do turn into money let's not be let's not be uh coy about it because i think it's important that we do talk about money because sadly we live in a society where we need to eat uh <laughs> yeah and also i also think i know i don't know what it is we do seem to have this kind of it feels a bit grubby to talk about money when it comes to things that are about you know leisure time and entertainment and yet mm. the leisure time and entertainment industries are huge mm. you know the biggest industry in the world is arguably computer games right Mm-hmm. leisure and entertainment mm-hmm. um and the creativity that goes into those things is enormous now i'm not going to you know do a direct comparison here but what i'm saying is when people are feeding their creativity into like entertainment and you know working to, you know for this this grand goal of like creating something and bringing it to life mm-hmm. making somebody's life more interesting and exciting yeah why the hell not pay mm-hmm. them their due <laughs> I think when, when I sit down with my mates and we play a game, that's one thing. But if you know, if someone wants you know me to come and GM them, I can't imagine why they want that. But if they did, you know, why is it such a bad thing to say? You know, yeah, fine. Can you pay me for my time, please? Mm. For, for me, I've, in thinking more about what what I can do, gaming wise, work wise, I keep coming back to to the thought that it's about that what I'd like to be paid for is my time. I'm not so mm. much expecting to score some huge hit with something, mm. but that actually 
you know, just to just to follow on from what you're saying there, Che, that that I, I can give my time. I've got a certain amount of time I can give, and I would like mm. to give it in in the direction of gaming. And so, this project has been just wonderful in in doing that um, yeah. in in a healthy way. I think that's a really good thing to pick up on as well. I think the young people I work with, for example, often aren't aware of how time is the most valuable commodity they have. You know, the average human being lives for 4,000 weeks. Um, stark though that is, um, you know, when they get up on a Monday morning, they think, oh, I can't be bothered to go. Don't want to go to school in the morning. No, I always remind them that's one of your 4,000 Mondays. Um, what are you going to do with it today? You know, um, and then when you get to to do something that's creative and you enjoy uh, and share that with other people, which anyway, let's be honest, creativity is essentially a generous act. Um, you know, it's there about giving to others. Then that's a glorious thing to encourage, surely. Uh, that's. I mean, what I love is that while we're being creative, we're also, we're, we're trying to start fires, right? We're trying mm. to go around and spark little bits of creativity and encourage people to do to be creative themselves. Like, you know, my own creativity in this project has been um, probably more involved in some of the stuff outside of the actual gaming, like whether it's writing blogs, applications, mm. or or podcasts, or talking to people about it, has probably been, I've probably put more work into all of that than I have actually planning or running the actual sessions um because that's almost second nature that's uh, that that just comes comes quite easily now once i once i dropped barney's system anyway mm. uh, <laughs> had to watch him do it first once i was like ah oh, right okay i understand this now <laughs> it's that kind of way of learning but also that's that's our role isn't it our role is to facilitate the thing to to free up the maximum creative time and space for the young people mm. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you've also, I mean, picking up on an earlier point, it's really important for you to give them permission to do this as well. It sounded like at the start they were a little bit reticent, you know, am I, you know, are we allowed to do this? What can we do with this? Are we allowed to tweak that? Can we change this? You know, um, was that, uh, you know, an important thing? And have you noticed that that switch of them accepting that they, they can do this, actually? I think I think we've had, we've got we've got such a range of different of different people we have some people say in germany who are, who don't always feel confident with their english who have improved their confidence massively by playing and gming we've got uh we've got people who are experienced in role play gaming but might be more used to the kind of hardline D approach mm. and some of them might have found that a bit different to begin with, but but now they're they're freed up. They've freed themselves up in there. We've also got lots of aspiring visual artists, and sometimes they're con- you know they're drawing their characters and posting mm-hmm. them up. Um, so I guess I guess from the outset we wanted we wanted them to have that permission. Mm-hmm. Of course, it takes time for it to to for everyone to get into the rhythm of it but we really wanted it to feel like they have that permission from the word go i think as an educator this is fascinating to me because one of the things that i okay just speaking honestly here if you're going to high school i'm a high school teacher right so kids going to high school a lot of the time they're pretty disengaged and if you think about what goes on in school um you know how much of the day if they're in there six hours a day um, how many uh, minutes in that of that time are they spending actually, you know, solving problems and getting to tackle things? Mm. And it sounds to me like this project, what it's done is it's taken um, a bunch of kids and said, hey, here's a problem. <laughs> you know, if you like, here's something to go and um, solve, you know, how go and run a game, go and give somebody uh, an experience, you know, for a couple of hours uh, online gaming. Um, and it's kind of up to you what that's going to be like and i don't know how many how many really uh young people these days get that kind of opportunity to to sit down to work out an idea and then to test it out to mm. experiment with it mm. um I, mean, I don't know what you make of that but that to me strikes me as a really fantastic opportunity for young people yeah absolutely yeah that's a great that's a great summary of that of that aspect of it and i think structurally having the games and then the world building sessions have allowed us to kind of have an ongoing session zero creative Mm. process but also a reflective process and to have the time to game 
un, unencumbered by those kind of session zero or rules debate questions. So that's worked really nicely to have those two aspects, the games and and the, the workshops. Mm. And, and and a space constantly to kind of knock down the GM screen and say like, look, mm, this is what yeah. I did. Look, yeah. this is what I did. This is my <laughs> yeah. one page of notes. I ran that whole adventure off this one page of notes. Like, it, and look at that, half of that's blank space. Like, like that's, you know, it's constantly having those kind of learning that kind of, oh, right, okay. So you just came up with that. And I was like, well, yeah, mm. but I fed off what you said there. And I thought, let's run with that. Um, it's very hard to teach improvisation in that respect, but it, but, but, but by only by constantly doing it and kind of showing you're working, I think, oh, well, ironically, not working because you're improvising, but you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it is amazing, isn't it, when people, um, you know, you run a, you've run through a session and then you, you are confronted with the idea that actually somebody had uh, a few scribbled bullet points on a piece of paper and the rest of it spun out of the group because that's the real passionate amazing thing about role-playing games yeah absolutely and and we totally wanted to lead them towards that that responsive improvisational way of of playing rather than the kind of tome consuming rules lawyering no (laughs) keeping 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 the keeping the rules lawyering to a minimum. Although I did create a rules court on our world. You did, you did Tom. So yeah. I could put Barney in the dock and tell him yeah. off for like not making damage to rather than one or <laughs> I'm joking. Those, <laughs> those, those were taken in the jest. <laughs> but... yeah. So what yeah. have you two learned from all this then? Ooh. I mean, you're halfway through it, aren't you? So what have you learned? Well, uh, okay. First thing, uh, you know, Tom and I, haven't ever met in person um we've never worked together before but we make a really good collaborative team our our skills complement each other and the common ground is is really good and i think we both have in different ways good good rapport with the young people so um Mm. I don't know if I've learned anything I've learned about another person who I can work on projects with Thank you. That's very kind of you to say, Barney. I enjoy working with you too. Um, and I think that we you are right that while we, we do share a, a lot of uh, common attitudes towards things like education, towards young people and, 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 and a lot of gaming, we also have really different like histories with gaming and kind mm. of perspectives on it. I've come in pretty much with the golden age of board gaming, right? I came in mm. with Shut Up and Sit Down and, and when all of the Basically, when video games journalists all went, hey, there's all this cardboard over here, and they all went over to that, I came with them. And that's how I got into the whole tabletop renaissance, really. Apart from some early flirting with Warhammer when I was like a really young kid, but that was the older brothers thing. So I didn't do that. That's what I thought. But um, yeah, so to come at it, I'm a kind of a new new kid on the scene. I don't have any of those old books uh, with those times in the early 2000s and the 90s where people were playing Call of Cthulhu or um, all the older Grogard stuff. Uh, I've come in with Fantasy Flight Games and and Fifth Edition, which is still for me a relatively new new thing to have learned. Um, but that's a great perspective compared to Barnaby, who I think's got a lot more storied kind of history with with the genre and i you always you always credit me with that but i don't know i, I mean maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. it's it's funny because yeah my my adult tabletop group is much similar to, to barney's uh kind of history with the gaming where they've been playing uh cthulhu and rogue trader and um the warhammer fantasy roleplay games kind of stuff all the way through the histories of of roleplay and it's so interesting to be working with that perspective in something that's brand new, you know, using all the modern stuff we can when it comes to uh, video conferencing and virtual tabletops, although we haven't used that really for this project yet. Um, Because I think, I don't know, I've done a lot of that in lockdown with my kids group. So keeping Mm -hmm. them, uh, keeping the fire going with my table, my weekly tabletop group by forcing it all online. Uh, And that the easiest thing to do there was to get a Roll20 subscription and just keep playing role playing. So, Tom, does that mean that you've learnt with TricksterSnet that you don't need to use Roll20? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I already knew that, but like (laughs) I have learned that I don't like maps anymore. No, I do like maps. I love maps and I don't like maps. I can't I can't tell. I have really I'm 
really conflicted feelings about maps. That's what mm-hmm. I've decided. I think I really like big high maps where it's like the island that you're on. But as soon as you're in a dungeon, I don't, I think, or like a room, we shouldn't be using maps. It's kind of, I have, uh, yeah, it's kind of crystallized some of my uh, role-playing ideology, which I'm sure will shift again as time uh, moves on. But I think the big thing, though, that I learned, big thing Mm -hmm. is there's appetite out there for this stuff. There's appetite out there, not only from the young people who want to be part of it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all kinds of people who want to be part of projects like this, but also there's appetite for funders and having the ability to really go to these arts, you know, all these arts councils that we have, there's money out there to find for mm-hmm. these these types of projects. And um, it's not impossible with the right kind of connections and stakeholders to uh and and the right and the right kind of project you know mm, that yeah. uh that's also that is also a key a key thing it mm. it needs to fit it needs to fit the the different briefs and the different uh participants i i mean yeah i i, w- I was going to say i think the thing i've learned is similar to what tom just said i i did not start this year thinking that at this time now i would be doing this project hmm. so it's it's been a wonderful wonderful surprise and pretty much the plan that we came up with for for running it has has worked and it's even indicated different ways that you could run it mm-hmm. uh, and i think we've so so as a kind of control test you know i think we can see ways that we could alter it for different different hmm. time frames different settings so it's yeah there's lots of interesting stuff I wanted to finish just by asking, oh my God, a bunch of people possibly listening to this podcast, what might they um, take away? What might they be able to do? What might their involvement be? I suppose the the first thing would be that when we've published it, end of October, November, maybe somewhere like that, that they, that they get on itch and download it. It's going to be free. Mm-hmm. Um so we so not only that they download it and try it uh, but that maybe they they contact us and give us a little bit of feedback that would be that would be great mm-hmm. yeah that's a great place to that's pretty much the main thing that we will one of the metrics that we will get on measuring the success of this but also just uh keep an eye out for it as a as a as a future project i suspect it might be something that we repeat or or we do a follow-up project so um that might be happening and there might be an opportunity to get involved in that if it's appropriate for your kind of demographic if we're doing something with older people potentially or younger people mm-hmm. um but yeah and, and i suppose i suppose it maybe maybe just it makes people feel a bit more inspired that some project or possibility that they can see where they are uh, might also work and it would be worth worth putting that application in and seeing what happens yeah i think it's fascinating to hear about um teenage kids you know students getting involved in this creative project and becoming kind of you know well not kind of game designers and learning together that is a really interesting um mm. you know thing uh, I think that perhaps often is below the radar because it's the after school club or it's mm-hmm. the you know the co- you know the coffee shop game shop kind of group that's going on and it's a bit invisible to most of us and what you're doing here sounds like a wonderful way of kind of bringing it up and saying hey there's some people doing you know really great stuff young people here doing really really great creative stuff have you have you noticed did you know mm-hmm. yeah and I think sometimes it's just providing a venue for design I think a lot of people mm-hmm. I mean, we don't think the same way as we did in the 90s where video games just came from the moon or something. You just didn't mm. know where they arrived, right? Mm. We know a lot more now about uh, you know development processes and, and studios, but it all seems very locked up in big corporate things. And well, the tabletop sphere is, is much more open than that. Like you mm. can come up with a design, meet up at your board game um, group, and uh, you might learn some tips about how to pitch that board game at a convention to a publisher and that might actually happen you could never do that with a video game but you can do that with cardboard with role-playing game it's even more open just come up with some rules and like play it with your friends and if it's and if they've got some graphic design skill put it online somewhere so that people can download and play and Mm -hmm. it could become 
popular. It could not, but it's it's got value in itself as an activity to do, and will just make you a better, a more competent um, player, and just get more design under your belt if it is something you want to do as a career, or it's just something that you enjoy doing. Um, like painting miniatures or whatever, like you know, it could mm. be you know, creativity is an end in itself. So, Barney, Tom, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for coming on the show. Any last words? Oh, thank you very much for having us. And once again, if people would like to take a look at Trickster's Net when it's out, please, please do. I'll stick the stuff in the show notes. And yeah, you can follow us on Twitter, I suppose. I'm at, at Playframe UK. And I'm loco underscore ludus. Yes. Um, but yeah, we do tweet about uh, Trickster's, Nuts, Trickster's Net stuff on there, as well as other interesting projects we might be doing. We've, we've decided that 2021 is the year of the Trickster. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Great to speak to you. And uh, well, I'll catch up with you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. And that's it. That's the second of my summer holiday conversations. A big thank you to Barney Dicker from Loco Ludus and Tom Burmeister from Playframe in talking to us about Trickster's Net. If you want to grab details of the product, I've stuck links to the Trickster's Net website in the show notes. And I'll also stick links to Barney and Tom's other stuff out there for you to check out. If you have questions or comments, Please, as ever, feel free to drop me a message via anchor.fm slash rpgrescue or email your sound recording directly to hello at rpgrescue.com. And I'll be back next weekend, hopefully with a third interesting conversation had during the holidays. Thank you for listening. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on. (laughs) 